We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy, your kindness. And sir, as I preach this message today, it is a message that I would rather not preach. But yet, if I'm going to be obedient to you, I must preach it. To not preach this message today, sir, I understand I'd be in disobedience to you. So we'll obey you. And we'll say to the best of our ability what it is the Spirit of God is saying. And so I realize that when we preach what you've wanted said, that it's cost me over the years, it's cost me friends. But I know what your word says. That if we lose our lives for your sake, then we'll find true life. So I'll preach this today unapologetically. Under the anointing of the Spirit, anoint me to say what it is the Spirit of God is saying. Anoint the people's ears to hear what it is the Spirit of God is saying. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Romans, the first chapter and the 24th verse. Romans, the first chapter, the 24th verse. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. Romans chapter 1, 24th verse, New Living Translation. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. If you would turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9 again, New Living Translation. The Holy Spirit tells us and says to us, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols, commit adultery, male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, thieves, Greedy people, drunkards, or are abusive, or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. 
I'm very troubled, though not surprised, by what the Supreme Court did on Friday, legalizing same-sex marriage in the United States. I voted, I prayed, this church prayed that God would deal with the Supreme Court justices. But you must realize, as we've taught you over the years, that God will not violate one's free will, not even the free will of a Supreme Court judge. On Friday, President Obama told a man on the phone on CNN, who was crucial in getting the Supreme Court to legalize same-sex marriage, President Obama congratulated the man for a job well done and then told that man, God bless you and your husband. The president then later that day goes to a Christian church ceremony to eulogize the pastor who was recently murdered in South Carolina. President Obama did an excellent job at that service. He really did. I agree with many of the things he said at that service. He then sang Amazing Grace, which I think was fantastic. But I have a question. How can the president or anyone else bless homosexuality which the Bible clearly condemns, as we've just read to you, how can the president bless homosexuality in the morning and then sing Amazing Grace in the afternoon? And my answer to that is simply what the Bible says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Then on Friday night, This last Friday night, the front of the White House was lit in the gay pride colors. Along with the spire of One World Trade Center in New York, as well as the St. Louis Civil Courts Building and probably many others, other buildings throughout the country, but I'm aware of those. And when I saw the White House lit, In the gay pride colors, I was grieved, and the Spirit of God on the inside of me was grieved, and I was angry, and the Spirit of God on the inside of me was angry. And the Bible says we can be angry and sin not. Pastor Diane, my wife, posted on the White House Facebook page, saying we were offended at the gay pride lighting of the White House. We noted that President Obama quoted from Hebrews earlier that day at that service for the pastor. But we said on the Facebook post of the White House, we would like him to quote from Romans, the first chapter as well, which I just read from, which clearly condemns homosexuality. We got many, many responses, and most were ugly. Now, I want to make myself clear before I go any further. I love homosexuals. God loves homosexuals. You must understand that. Okay? 
Do you all understand? But homosexuality is a sin. And that is what is condemned. When Pastor Diane posted on the White House Facebook page, many responses, as I said, came back, most of which were very ugly. And I felt led to read this one to you. This is what a person responded to us on Facebook. This is what this person said. Don't even know who they are. This is what they said. Why is it? Why is it persecution when someone disagrees with a Christian? In my guess, the truth hurts. You do know that God didn't write the Bible, right? It was written and rewritten by men, they said. It was written in their perspective of how things should be in their opinions. I love it when Christians twist the words of the Bible to fit their own agenda. By the way, who says... Homosexuality is wrong. You? Other people? What is so wrong about two people loving each other and wanting to make a lifetime commitment with each other, even if they're of the same sex? By And then they said this, biracial marriages were also against the law at one time, all because of ignorant, holier-than-thou people like yourselves. Now, you need to realize, now this is me speaking, the Bible does not condemn biracial marriages. My son is married to a black girl, black lady, and I'm very proud of that. I have two grandchildren, half black, half white. That's a wonderful thing. have no problem with that. If you have a problem with that, you're out of line with the Word of God. Not a problem with that. And there should be equal rights. Regardless of race, regardless of your skin color, God does not look at skin color. He looks at the condition of your heart. There should be equal rights for gender. A woman should get paid just as much as a man gets paid for doing the same job. Do you understand that? But when it comes to same-sex marriage, see, that's sin, according to the Word of God, and that is the difference. And by the way, the Bible was written by Almighty God, and it was not twisted by men. Now, men will take it and twist it, but so will the sinner take it and twist it. But the Bible is clear on this issue of homosexuality. Did you hear what I just said? So we should not discriminate based on race or gender, but the same sex situation, same sex marriage, it's sin. And that's the difference. And I want to say this same sex marriage may now be legal in the United States, but same sex marriages are not and never will be legal in the eyes of almighty God. There was another Post came from Facebook that said the White House being lit in the different colors. They said, what's the big deal? So it's just a bunch of lights up on the White House. Well, I'm telling you, it is a big deal. And anybody that tells you it's not a big deal doesn't know God. Because it is a big deal. It's symbolic. That house symbolizes this nation. 
And God looks at things like that. He looks at what leaders do, particularly when those leaders are put there by the votes of the people or lack thereof votes of the people. Did you hear what I just said? So it is significant that that White House was lit in the gay pride colors. God looks at that. It's a dangerous thing to have that lit like that. I said it's a dangerous thing. Franklin Graham said last Friday on Facebook, that's the son of Billy Graham, he said, the Supreme Court of the United States has ruled today that same-sex marriage is legal in all 50 states. With all due respect to the court, it did not define marriage, therefore it's not entitled to redefine it. Long before our government came into existence, marriage was created by the one who created man and woman, Almighty God, he says. And his decisions are not subject to review or revision by any man-made court. God is clear about the definition of marriage in his holy word, which says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they'll become one flesh. That's Genesis 2.24. He went on to say, I pray God will spare America from his judgment, though by our actions as a nation we give him less and less reason to do so. Pastor Diane, my wife, has been studying concerning World War II over the last many weeks, just something that she's been doing, and things about the Holocaust, and six million Jews were murdered by Adolf Hitler's Nazis. And some time ago, I felt led of the Holy Spirit to compose a message from her study, titling it Lessons from History. And what I want to do in the next several minutes is take from the research that she obtained and show you what was going on, particularly in the church, pre-World War II, which allowed the evil of Adolf Hitler and the Nazis' rise to preeminence. And see if you see any of those characteristics in the church here, which has allowed evil to rise. You said same-sex marriages are evil. I just said same-sex marriages are evil. And I'll not take it back. Same-sex marriages are not ordained by God. Now listen to what we have to say here and hang on every word. Pastor Diane, in her study, there was a quote from this man named Jim Walker who was an author and He said this, I believe that the major accountability for the Holocaust, and again, I'm bringing this up because I want you to see the similarities of what was going on in the church in Germany before the Holocaust, what's going on in the church here in the United States as we've seen evil rise. Here's what he said, I believe that the the major accountability for the Holocaust must go to the ones who created the conditions for it to occur. The people who created the conditions come in the form of the Christian churches. The body of believing people who acted according to their quote-unquote Christian beliefs and who taught their children, preached to their congregations, and influenced their society's political leaders. Now, pre-World War II Germany, almost all Germans were Christians. There were 20 million Catholics approximately and approximately 40 million Protestants. At the close of the war, after the Holocaust had concluded at the close of the war, 
when Europe was liberated, many of the people in towns surrounding concentration camps were compelled to go in to those concentration camps to see firsthand what they had allowed to happen. I want to just say this right here. The things that you see going on in the nation right now has been allowed to happen because of a lack of activeness on part of God's people. Did you hear what I just said? If God's people, I'm talking Christians, would register to vote, would vote, things would be a lot different now. Now, I understand even if you vote in people that agree with the word of God, sometimes those people will turn on you. I understand that. But, it, but, but if we'd have been voting the Christians over the last many years, things would be different today. I'm convinced of it. Did you hear what I just said? And so the people around the concentration camps were compelled to go in to see what they allowed happen. What was going on in pre-World War II Germany? What kind of a church allowed something like that? Hitler and the Holocaust. What kind of a church allowed that to happen? Well, first, the Catholic and Protestant church already had a very long history of persecuting Jews and used Scripture to justify it. Because they say the Jews killed Jesus. But you need to realize it was the religious Hierarchy of the Jewish community that had him crucified. Do you realize that? And there's much we could say on that, but that's what was going on there in Germany. You know, most people don't realize that Martin Luther, have you ever heard of him? And much good he did. Thank God for him, but... You need to realize that in any man's life, you need to look at the entirety of his work. And much of what he did write also, Martin Luther was very anti-Semitic. And Hitler even quoted from many of Luther's writings. A lot of people don't realize that. So that was going on. Secondly, listen, the leader, Adolf Hitler, convinced the Christian people that he was something that he was not. You need to realize that politicians do this quite often. Hitler was an atheist, but he convinced the people that he was a Christian. Again, I want to say that politicians will use religion to get votes. Now, in no way am I comparing President Obama to Hitler. I'm not doing that. And I'm not saying that there's going to be a Holocaust take place here in the United States. I'm not saying that. But before President Obama was elected president, he was against same-sex marriage. So he said. Then all of a sudden he changed and began to favor same-sex marriage. President Obama may have changed, although I doubt that there was a change, But the word of God does not change. And you need to realize this, and I respect the office that the president holds, but I do not respect everything that he has done. You need to realize this about him and many politicians. 
that when they stand before a crowd, they're going to tell that crowd what that crowd wants to hear. And if he came in here this morning, well, let me just say this. On last Friday in the morning, he told the homosexual crowd what they wanted to hear. Later in the day, he told the church crowd what they wanted to hear. If he came in here, he would tell you, he, he would have all of us because he'd tell us what we want to hear. But then he'd also be able to go into a mosque and tell them what they wanted to hear and praise Allah and Muhammad. And then he could go to the Jehovah's Witness and get them to applaud. And then he could go to the Mormons and get them to applaud. He could stand in front of the Jews and get them to applaud. Now, if I went before those different groups of people, I wouldn't get all of those groups applauding me. Do you think the homosexual community would applaud me, even though I love them? Do you think they'd be applauding me this morning? But if I stood before them, I'd tell them exactly what I've told you here today. My message would not change. If I stood in front of the Mormons, in front of the Jehovah's Witnesses... My message would not change. If I stood in front of the, the Muslims, I, in all love, I'd preach Jesus Christ to him and him, him, and him crucified. The message wouldn't change. I would not be applauded, but the message wouldn't change. If I stood in front of the Jews this morning, I would be like the Apostle Paul. Do you know when he stood in front of the Jews, he didn't tell them what they wanted to hear. Though he was a Jew, but he became a Christian and he stood before the Jews and he did not tickle their ears. He told them the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what happened? They beat him up and they ran him out of town and so on and so forth. Is that not correct? You need to be watchful of people that will stand before crowds and tell the crowds what the crowd wants to hear. Franklin Graham also posted on Facebook, and here's what he said. Here's what Franklin Graham said. President Obama was right about one thing in the speech he gave at a gay pride event he hosted in the White House recently. He said there has been an incredible shift in attitudes across the country. That's true. But it is definitely not a shift for the good of America. The shift in attitudes he refers to is the moral decline we're seeing manifest daily around us. Accepting wrong as right, accepting sin as something to be proud of. Yes, that's definitely a shift. Should we be surprised that he thanked the homosexual community for all that they had helped him accomplish during his time as president? He said, President Obama said, a lot of what we, to the, to the homosexual crowd, he said, a lot of what we've accomplished over the last six and a half years has been because of you. He also noted that there were two states where same-sex marriage was legal when he took office. And at the time he addressed these folk, just the other day, there was 37 states, President Obama said. And now I'll add in, there's all 50 states. The president, according to Franklin Graham, he said this, The president is leading this nation on a sinful course. And God will judge him and us as a nation if we don't repent. The third thing that was going on in pre-World War II Germany and the church that allowed evil to rise is, listen to this, Hitler promised 
not to interfere in the churches. And he convinced churches and pastors that he was on their side. But eventually Hitler did interfere in the church. We also got a Facebook question from a friend of Pastor Diane's and they asked the question after the same sex ruling was issued on Friday. And they asked this question, what does this mean for the church? Are churches now required by law to perform these same sex marriage services if they don't? Do they risk their tax-exempt status? Now, I'm saying to you, the authorities have quote-unquote promised that the legislation of same-sex marriages will not affect the church. But I told you from this pulpit over ten years ago that the time was coming in this nation that a preacher will be imprisoned for preaching against homosexuality. And people laughed at me then, but they're not laughing. And they dismissed me then, and that could never be then. But you can see where we stand in time now that what I told you some ten years ago is coming more and more true every day that goes by. And I do not believe the promises of most politicians. And when they promise us that they'll not interfere in the church, and that's what they're promising now, I don't think they're going to make good on those promises. I think it'll be just a matter of time before they start coming for our tax-exempt status if we don't perform the same-sex marriages. Well, they can have the tax-exempt status, and they can, you know what, they can just keep it, because I'm going to preach the Word of God. And I'm going to go you one better. If they stand at the door back there and tell me if you preach a message, because I believe there's a day coming. If I, this very message I'm preaching here today, there'll be, there'll be, there'll be police officers at the door ready to arrest me if I continue. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you now, in all due love, I'm going to continue preaching the message. They can handcuff me, take me to jail, and we'll get people saved in jail. Can you say amen? I feel impressed of the Spirit of God to say this. There are those, and see, this is is how the devil works. They'll label me as a hate monger. That's what they're doing. For this message right here, I'm a hate monger. They'll say I'm a hate monger. No, I'm not. Did I I just tell you I I love homosexuals? Did I just tell you that? Does God love them? But it's a sin, as you'll see as we go on here in a moment, it's a sin that's going to bring this nation ultimately down. I also want to tell you this. And you'll see it here in just a moment. You better listen real close to what I'm saying to you. Don't sit there apathetic and tolerating what I'm saying. Powerful thing coming up here in just moments, but I feel impressed to, 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 to let you know where I'm headed here. Because you sit out there and you think, well, they're just possibly going to be coming for the pastor here before too long. But after me, they're coming for you. Did you hear what I just said? Thank you. After me, they're coming for you.
Now listen to this. What else was going on in pre-World War II Germany? Fourth, Christians as a whole, listen to this, Christians as a whole would not take a stand against anti-Semitism. Many Christians felt eliminating Jews was wrong, but they remained silent and publicly went along with it. There were even churches that would put swastikas out front so that when the Nazis would go by, they'd leave that church alone. One such individual was Martin Niemöller. He was a German. He was against the Nazis. He was a theologian, a Lutheran pastor. But at first, he went along with Hitler. Actually, I saw pictures as I was researching for this where you would see Catholic priests. Now, I'm sure there were Protestant ones also, but Catholic priests standing there like that. My God, help us. You know what that is. The Nazi salute. They felt it was wrong, but they went along with it anyway. And this man, Martin Emuller, initially went along with Hitler as Hitler promised him that he would not interfere with the churches, which later turned out to be a lie, as we've already said. Eventually, listen to this, eventually Martin Niemöller was imprisoned for speaking out against the Nazis. And he made this famous quote, and this is what I want you to listen to. He said this, first they, the Nazis, came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. Bill O'Reilly... Fox cable TV host. I agree with some of the things he says. I don't agree with others. But he has asked a good question. I've listened to him over the last many months as I've listened to him periodically. On this subject of same-sex marriages, he's asked this question. He says, where, he asks this, where are all the voices of the major Christian leaders on this subject? He said, only a few have spoken out against it, like Franklin Graham. But where are the rest? He said, their silence is deafening. And it is. Edmund Burke. Famously said this years ago, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. 
And we see the results of that now in our nation all these years later. In the book of James, God says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. It's interesting, listen to this. Charles Finney said this in the 1800s. He led the, I believe it was that great Second Awakening revival, and he said this. Charles Finney said this. The time has come that Christians must vote for honest men and take consistent ground in politics or the Lord will curse them or judge them. Christians have been exceedingly guilty in this matter. This is in the 1800s. But the time has come when they must act differently. Christians seem to act as if they thought God did not see what they do in politics, but I tell you, he does see it. And he will bless or curse this nation according to the course Christians take in politics. And it is true. I would never stand here and tell you who to vote for. We don't do that. That's not my place. That's your business between you and God. What I do is teach the word of God. I encourage you to vote. And I do encourage you to vote in line with the word of God. But your voting is, is your business. But my goodness gracious, whatever you do, vote and vote the word of God. Can anybody say amen? A few more things. What was going on in pre-World War II Germany? Listen to this. Fifth thing, many professing Christianity were apathetic about church attendance. If we go, if we make it today, we make it. If we don't, we don't. I realize that people can't make every service, can't come every Sunday, but you should have a a habit of coming to church on Sunday. Can anybody say amen? Sixth, the cross. The cross of Christ where he died for us. The cross was not to be emphasized as it was too gruesome and depressing. So churches stopped preaching the cross in pre-World War II Germany. If you haven't been following it, that's been going on in many of the major Christian circles over the last many years. Take down the cross. Don't talk about the blood of Jesus. Don't because it's too gruesome. It might offend people. But I'm telling you, I'm here as a preacher of the cross of Christ and the blood of the the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's not the best way to get saved and make heaven. He's the only way to get saved and make heaven. Did you hear me? And beware of a minister that stands in a pulpit or on television and says that Jesus is the best way to get saved. Well, if he's the best way, then there could be other ways. But I'm here today under the anointing of God, and I'll say it again. Jesus isn't the best way to get saved. He's the only way to get saved. The cross was not to be emphasized. Seventh, the preaching of sin was too negative, and it was not proclaimed from the pulpits in Germany. And if you haven't been following it, that's been going on in the United States for the last many years. Don't talk about sin. Don't talk about sin. Seventh thing that leaded to the rise of Hitler and evil was from the pulpits of the churches of Germany, only hope and victory were to be preached. And if you haven't been following it, that's been a big thing in this nation over the last many years. Only hope, only victory from the pulpits. And finally, you see that Christians there were Bible illiterate. They were not 
taught doctrine. You know what I mean when I say doctrine. The pastor didn't stand in the pulpit and teach the word of God. They'd come in with a Bible-based sermon and make everybody feel good every Sunday. The Spirit of God some months ago, actually about a year ago, more or less, in time of prayer as I was meditating on, you know, this nation. And, and the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and seemed as though he, 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 was, he was, you know, you can get to know the Holy Ghost like you know your wife or your husband or a friend. You understand that? And he said this to me on the inside. He just, just perturbed with it. He said, they're not teaching my doctrine. And you go look at it. Doctrine needs to be taught. The teaching of the word of of God. Repentance from dead works. Faith toward God. The doctrine of baptisms. Laying on of hands. Resurrection of the dead. Eternal judgment. Now you start preaching that. and, and, And I guarantee it to you. I can go into some of these big large churches. That are just giving the hip hip hoorah sermons. If I went in there and started teaching doctrine. Like the word of God says to do. The crowds would thin. I'm going to keep teaching doctrine. I'm just going to do it. At, you know, if I, I'm just going to do it. Very few Christians stood up against Hitler and the Nazis. Listen to this. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I'm getting close to being done, but let me get this out here today. Let me, let me finish. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German Lutheran pastor, stood up Against Hitler, he was deemed by the German Christians to be negative. Preaching depressing sermons and for his very stern messages. Bonhoeffer warned the German people that they were sleepwalking toward a terrible precipice, but few took him seriously. He was eventually put in a concentration camp and hung shortly before the war ended. Thank God for Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who stood up against evil, who stood up against Hitler. It cost him his life, but he stood up against it, and his reward is great in heaven. Where are the Dietrich Bonhoeffers in the United States of America? They're few and far between, but there are some out there, but they're few and far between. Makes me think of Jeremiah's preaching as he would cry out in Israel, that judgment's coming, judgment's coming. I'm talking about Jeremiah, the Old Testament. Judgment's coming. The people didn't want to listen to him. They didn't want to tolerate him. They, they, they had names that they called him, you know, that, that he's depressing and he's negative and I don't want to hear him. And, and then there were false prophets that rose up and they'd get up and they'd tell the people what they, what the people wanted to hear. And Jeremiah stood and said, 70 years captivity is coming. And the false prophets would stand up and say, no, 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 it's not 70. It's only going to be two years. And they tell the people what the people wanted to hear, but Jeremiah was right. And he'd cry and he'd weep for the people. And, and, and he'd weep and he'd cry and, and fire. Sometimes his messages were fiery. Sometimes they'd be delivered with tears in his eyes. Tears in his eyes and fire shut up in his bones, warning the people to repent, repent, repent. But they dismissed what he had to say. They had other things. To do. 
And they continued in their sin. They did not repent. And judgment came upon Israel. Makes me think of John the Baptist who got up and cried out. And he said, repent and make straight the way of the Lord. Remember that. Actually, as I study it, more people like John the Baptist than like Jeremiah. But John the Baptist was imprisoned and eventually beheaded. His messages were not pleasing to all. John the Baptist cried out against the political ills and the political leaders who were in sin. He cried out against them. We need some more John the Baptist in this nation. Somebody said, you shouldn't cry out against the president. Look, I've got every right to do what I'm doing here today. And, And like I said, if people like me aren't standing up here crying out against these things, next they'll come for you. Listen to this. Listen as I close this up. But listen so carefully now. Hang on every word. Because I'm going to share some things that I feel is ahead for this nation. Listen to this. Social, cultural, and moral decay are hallmarks of the decline and fall of all, of all past civilizations. You study them all out, you'll find there's social decline, cultural decline, moral decline or decay. And as you look into the moral decay, you see a decay of religious belief. You see a devaluing of human life, which you see in abortion in the United States, and a rise in immorality. And we see that. Listen, I'm not without sin. I can't cast the first stone. I've missed it. Haven't you? But we endeavor to live right. We endeavor to go by the word of God. But we've seen a devaluing of human life here with abortion. We've seen the decay of religious belief and a rise in immorality with this same-sex marriage. We see those things that I mentioned to you about pre-World War II uh, Germany in the church. We see those things in the church here in the United States. Even ministers, my wife and I are, are just, we we're shocked at even ministers and, and worship leaders and, and youth pastors that, 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 that they'll go to an R-rated movie and sit there and listen to the name of the Lord taken in vain one time right after another and it doesn't even phase them. They go to movies, I'm talking about ministers, I'm talking about, about youth pastors and, and worship people that we've dealt with and talked to over the last, even the last many months. And, 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 and as you look at their Facebook pages and, and, and even here in the city of St. Louis, I, 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 you know, I, I go to these different websites of the churches and, and, and their Facebook posts and they went to see such and such movie and it's, it's R rated and you look on the, on the, uh, 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 focus on the family uh, website and it says that movie has, you know, the Lord's name taken in vain so many times and, and this many four letter words and this, that and the other. How many of you know Christians oughtn't to be going to see those things, much less Ministers, can anybody say amen? And my wife and I, we've had we've had pastors or, or youth youth pastors and and and, and worship leaders. We've had them rebuke us through emails or Facebook, rebuke us for even mentioning to them that they shouldn't be doing these things. And then we wonder why the United States is in the shape that it's in. 
I got up and said something one time in this church that, you know, when we dress both male and female, makes no difference what you wear to church. I have a tie on today. Sometimes I wear jeans. It, you know, it, 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 it's modesty that's important. I said, you understand what I'm saying? And I got up, made a statement one time. I said that, you know, and, and, I, and I said this, and, and I don't take it back. I've thought about it. And it applies to men and women, but, but I made this statement. I said that when you look at a woman, because my wife and I had been visiting at a church, and if, if, you, get to, if you get to know me, you'll, you'll, you'll like me. I'm not judging, I'm not judging, but I gotta preach the word of God. And, and, and we went to church visiting, and, and there were ladies on the pulpit, and, and my wife even brought it up. You know, you couldn't tell they were leading worship. Were they Christian women or were they prostitutes by the way they were dressed? Did you get what I just said? And I made the statement one time. I said, you know, I said, I said, Christian ladies, when you look at them, you shouldn't, you shouldn't. Are they Christians or are they prostitutes? I'm not against women dressing nice and looking good. Look at my wife. She's, she's beautiful. She's just, just, just fantastic, but she dressed modestly. When you look at her, you see she's a Christian lady. You're not, you're not wondering, is she a prostitute? Did you hear what I just said? And I had my, one of my best friends who tended this church for years walk away f- from me over that statement. And other statements I've made. But I'm here today to tell you, I'm going to preach the word of God. I'm not perfect, but I'm going to preach the word of God in love and holiness. If everybody walks away from me, and, and if my wife is the only one left, and if she walks away from me, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to say, thus saith the Lord. Now, I've told you that the judgment of God is pending on this nation. I spoke to you several weeks, and I've been telling you that for some time now. I've talked to you about the implosion of America several weeks ago concerning a blowing up of a building. When a building is imploded, what happens? Dynamite is set in the foundation, and then it's exploded, and then there's a pause, and nothing happens, but eventually it collapses. Well, Friday, same-sex marriage was was passed. Back in 71 or 72, it was abortion. And then uh, the Ten Commandments and the Word of God was taken out of the public square. Blast number one, abortion is legalized back in the early 70s. And then as we went along, blast number two, the Ten Commandments and prayer removed from the sco- public schools and the, and the public square. And now on Friday, the legalization uh, of same-sex marriage, blast number three. And, and you get these blasts and somebody says, well, when's... When, When's it going to fall in? There's always a pause. Because God gives time to repent, even at the midnight hour. But if there's no repentance, eventually it collapses. God has warned this nation and warned the political leaders. If you want to study after somebody, and I seldom call names like this from the pulpit, but Jonathan Kahn He wrote The Harbinger. You ought to get that book. You ought to read it because God raised him up, took him from an unknown person, pretty much unknown, and supernaturally raised him up as, I believe, a prophet of God to this nation. He's a Jew that believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, and God has risen him up and supernaturally has given him the reach where he stood in Congress, and he's warned, and he's warned, and he's warned the political leaders. He's warned this land, but the land has not repented.
You listen to me now. If you were watching CNN or one of the news channels on last Friday, there, the Supreme Courthouse steps. And they had balloons there, L-O-V-E. And as the decision came down and same-sex marriage in this nation was legalized, those balloons were lifted and they ascended up and they lifted up. L-O-V-E, love, those balloons, love, as the people in favor of the same-sex marriage were celebrating. And, and those balloons lifted. And I believe, with tears in God's eyes, as those balloons lifted, I believe His hand of protection has lifted from this nation. Now we, as individuals, certainly can stay under His protection, but I just want to say this to you. I believe on 9-11, you remember that? I believe on 9-11, God lifted His hand. Read the Harbinger and you'll see. God's hand lifted temporarily and you see what happened. Why did He do that? To give us, to get our attention, to give us time to repent, but... This nation has not only not repented, it's turned more towards sin. And I'm telling you, and I've been telling you this for quite some time. Calamity is coming to this nation on a scale it's not seen. God is going to shake some things in this nation. And one thing I'm going to say that I shared with my wife that, that, that I was just in time of prayer. I really wasn't paying that much attention, to just praying. And, and, and the Lord was perturbed about something. And, and the only way I can describe it is when I was a kid, I used to watch cartoons. And sometimes on the cartoons, they'd take the guy on the cartoon and they'd turn him upside down and grab him by his ankles and turn him upside down and, and, and shake him to get, get all the money out of him, you know. And God's perturbed about something. He's perturbed about the the interest rates. I would never really give that much thought. They're hurting the elderly. If you may not even realize this, but the elderly is being hurt by the interest rates. Being so low and they're, they're orchestrated that way. They're manipulated that way. I'll tell you something God's going to do in the financial realm. He's going to take those that are, I'm telling you prophetically now, he's going to take the people that are responsible for orchestrating these interest rates that have hurt the elderly, and he's going to, so to speak, turn them upside down by their, by their ankles and shake them, till, till, shake them to the core. You think what happened in 2008 was something? I'm telling you he's going to shake them to the core because the elderly have been hurt. Because you see, they put their money in CDs, and those CD rates are low, and they depend on that for their, for their living. And the interest rates are just so low. It's hurting the elderly. That perturbs the Lord. And when that happens, it will also affect us. 
But like I told you back in 2007, before what happened in 2008 with the financial collapse, I'm telling you the same thing today. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. What's God's motive in all of this? Is he just want to be mean? No, it's to bring repentance and revival to this nation. And when people of this nation will not listen to men of God and pastors and teachers and prophets and they won't listen, then God has no alternative but then to judge. I believe some things are going to get shaken. I believe some things are going to get shaken in the financial realm as well as in some other things. Calamity like we've not seen heretofore. And those celebrating last Friday as the Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage, including President Obama, they don't know, listen to me, they don't know that in the midst of their celebration, it's like celebrating at the winning of tickets to board the Titanic, which sunk in the Atlantic Ocean. Somebody says, what should I do? Two things. If you're not in Jesus Christ, get in him as quick as you can. And if you're in Christ and you're born again, your life's not right, repent. Somebody said, what can I do at this point for this nation? Well, we've told you some things. If you're not registered to vote, you know, get involved in the political process. But then also pray. Real loud, say pray. And I'll be honest with you. I'm almost done here. About two more minutes, I'll be done. But you listen to me. I don't know how to pray anymore for this nation. I prayed all I know I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. I see calamity coming to this nation. I've looked for revival. I haven't been able to see it, but just because I haven't been able to see it, I'm talking in the spirit doesn't mean it was not going to happen. It can I just hadn't seen it. But God judges his intent is to get us to repent. God is not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. I don't know how to pray anymore for this nation. Sometimes I think we ought to pray that God would send somebody like Jonah. You say, why do you bring Jonah up? Simply to show you that God is a good God. Oh, hang on with me just a few more minutes. Jonah was sent to Nineveh. Remember that? He disobeyed God. He went the other way and he was thrown overboard and then he was swallowed by a... Fish then swims and he winds up eventually. This fish throws him out of his mouth and Jonah then goes in and preaches to Nineveh. He says this, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Remember that? Listen to this. I wondered for years, why did those people repent and eventually the king repented? And all Jonah said was 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, think about the United States. If I mean... Franklin Graham, how how much bigger a voice can you get? He stands up and he's saying what he's saying. Is anybody listening? Very few. What was it about Jonah that, that, that got those heathens, those heathen people in Nineveh to repent? Was it just that he said 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown? That's all that we have Bible record that he, that he said. But as I meditated on that, I felt like the Lord showed me this. Jonah not only came in to Nineveh with a message, but he also came in with a testimony. 
a testimony that he just got spit up out of a fish. And what most people don't know is that Nineveh worshipped the fish god, which was half man and half fish. Now, you see the goodness of God in this, because a lot of times we think God is a meanie, but God is a good God, and he just wants to get people's attention. How do you get somebody's attention in Nineveh? Well, if somebody came in there, spit up out of a fish with that testimony, they'd probably listen. Because they worshipped a God that was half man and half fish. So Jonah, coming out of the fish, comes in there with a message, but also a testimony, and he declares the word of the Lord, and they listen to him, and he gets them to turn To the God of heaven and earth. Can you say amen? And the people repented. The king repented. And upon their repentance, the judgment that God had set, he didn't do it. Isn't that wonderful? So I pray that God would raise up a Jonah. Send a Jonah to this nation. Apart from that, here's what we're going to do. Starting next Sunday, right after the service. You don't have to stay for this if you don't want. But the Bible says this. We're going to do this every Sunday in July at the direction of the Lord. Every Sunday in July, right after the service, when we dismiss. I'm, I preach long today. Usually we're done about 11.15, but you understand we had to go a little long today. But for the Sundays in July, right after the service, I'll dismiss. Everybody's got to leave. Not a problem. No pressure to stay whatsoever. Next week I'm going to teach, start teaching on what Jesus said to the churches of Revelation. It would be very interesting. So when we get done about 11.15, we're going to dismiss, take a break for about five, six, seven minutes, whatever. And then we're going to pray for the nation for one hour. And I feel directed of the Lord. There's a scripture in the book of Hebrews that says, when we don't know how to pray as we ought, we can rely on the Holy Ghost to pray in the Spirit. So for the next four Sundays, right after the service, we're going to do our part, make ourselves available to the Holy Ghost, pray in the Spirit for an hour, intercede for this nation it would appear god does nothing on earth except we give him the avenue to do so through prayer that's the way he set it up that's what we're going to do so anybody that can get in on that we'd welcome you to to join with us uh, by faith in agreement but we need to do something i wish i didn't have to preach this message today and say these things but That's what the Holy Ghost is saying. I can miss it. 